from Las Vegas, Nevada, the golden days of Christmas. Welcome to the golden days of Christmas. Two hours of star-studded entertainment featuring the voices of Bob Hope, George Burns and Gracie Allen, Donna Michi, Vera Bay, Jim and Marion Jordan as Fibber McGee and Molly, Jack Benny, Rochester, Bob Crosby, Dennis Day, June Allison, Mel Blank, Mary Livingston, and Don Wilson, plus European motion picture star Krista Lindsay, and a special Christmas salute to Bing Crosby. Your host for the full two hours, Frank Brzee. Merry Christmas, ladies and gentlemen. The very warmest of holiday greetings to all of you from every one of the stars Bill Baldwin just mentioned from the American Forces Radio and Television Service, and from myself, we once again invite you to share your joys with ours as we present this 12th annual two-hour Golden Days of Christmas, great moments from Christmas programs of the past. And on this Christmas Day, we are originating our program from the Treasury in Las Vegas, the fun and sun capital of the world. Again, it's Yuletide time, and we all feel jubilant as well as grateful. This season of the year, peace on earth, goodwill toward all men rings in our ears. This is the spirit with which we celebrate this day. We invite you to mingle your joy with ours by listening to the many stars presented for your pleasure this Christmas, 1980. A part of the spirit of Christmas is the spirit of giving, and one of the artists who gives most lavishly of himself to servicemen all over the world is our first guest. It's a pleasure to introduce Bob Hope. I want to tell you that Christmas is practically here as far as we're concerned. Santa Claus Lane on Hollywood Boulevard is officially open, and the opening ceremonies were wonderful. Santa was in his sleigh with his reindeer pulling it, and it was typical Southern California. Santa wore open-toed boots, the reindeer had mascarid antlers, and the sleigh didn't have runners on it, it had pontoons. <laughs> and there were a lot of beautiful girls riding in Santa's sleigh with him. I played it smart. I held some mistletoe over my head and went out and stood next to them as they passed. You know, those reindeer have the coldest noses. <laughs> And I want to say that if you haven't sent out your Christmas cards yet, it's time. Everywhere you see, everyone's looking for a mailbox. I stopped in the corner of Hollywood and Vine tonight for a minute, and four people dropped letters in my mouth. <laughs> but anyway, here we are in Los Angeles, and we're all dreaming of a white Christmas. With this smog, that's all we can do, dream. <laughs> I shouldn't kid about the smog, though. The mayor of Los Angeles just hired 50 scientists, and they figured out a way to get rid of this terrible smog. They want us all to breathe in a little harder. <laughs> and... Thank you, suffers. <laughs> and the smog even makes Santa Claus look different. When he came along in a sleigh this evening, a little kid yelled, Look, Ma, Bluebeard. 
You know, some of those office parties can get pretty gay. Take the one we had over at the studio. Around 2 o'clock, they started playing that game called What's My Name? And at 5 o'clock, they weren't kidding. <laughs> it was quite a party, and they had unusual decorations. Well, they weren't really decorations. Crosby just stood next to Phil Harris. <laughs> Boy, they were really Christmassy. The red nose and the green money belt. I want to tell you... <laughs> All the fellas were kissing the girls at the party, Tony Martin, even Mickey Rooney was doing it. Of course, the Mick is a little short for that close contact work, but he's perfected a wonderful technique. He just throws a bucket over their heads and pulls himself up by the handle. <laughs> and what crowds? Everybody's shopping. Jack Benny was shopping, too. Jack had an awful dizzy spell. Dropped a dime in a revolving door, and it took him five minutes to find it. <laughs> Jack Benny what he was buying, he said, not very much because he already has a hundred gifts at home to distribute among his friends. His Christmas seals have arrived. <laughs> a lot of Hollywood people were in the crush. I saw a man with a black mustache and heavy eyebrows lying under one of the tables. I shook him and said, Groucho? He said, no, why no? <laughs> Jaja Gabor was in the crowd and a big roughneck shoved me against Jaja three times. I was going to say something to the guy, but he left before I could thank him. I did my family shopping first, so I asked the clerk what I should get for my boys. She said, I'm sorry, I don't believe I know what boys want. <laughs> you should have seen her. She didn't. <laughs> I wanted our street to have the prettiest Christmas decorations in the neighborhood, so I strung colored bulbs from house to house all the way down the block. And I did all the electric wiring myself. If you'd like further information, just drive down Moore Park Street in North Hollywood. We're the third pile of ashes from the corner. You'll love it. <laughs> Now for Christmas, 1980, here's Miss Kate Smith. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, just like the ones I used to know, where the treetops listen.
Christmas would be complete without at least one call on the neighbors. So come with me as we meet the people who live in the Burns house, George and Gracie. Don Amici will also join them. Being a firm believer in carpooling, I offered to stop by this afternoon to pick up George and Gracie, and it seems I stepped right into the middle of a situation to better understand it. Let's go back several hours. Hurry, Gracie. We have to leave for the broadcast pretty soon. George, uh, before we go, promise me something. What? Well, um, you're terribly talented, you know. Yeah. And this is Christmas. Yeah. So, uh, promise me you won't do your best today. <laughs> won't do my best with Bob Hope, Donna Michi, Bing Crosby, and Jack Benny? Well, that's why, dear. I wouldn't want you to make them look bad today. <laughs> oh, Gracie. Well, this is Christmas. You know, goodwill to men, and practically all four of those fellows are men. <laughs> But, honey, be sensible. If I had more talent than Hope, Amici, Crosby, and Benny, I'd be the biggest star in the world. And you will be someday. In fact, people can't understand why you aren't right now. Really? Sure. Why, every time we walk down the street together, I hear someone say, I wonder what's holding him up. <laughs> I see. Oh, you're loaded with talent, George. I'm just afraid you'll go down there today and embarrass those poor men. Oh, honey, you just say that because you're my wife. Uh, what if you were married to Bob Hope? What if you were married to Don Amici? What if you were married you, to... Wait a minute. I, I like to stay married to Don Amici a little longer. <laughs> let's forget this silly notion. Well, it's not a silly notion. Now, let's consider Hope for a minute. Well, sure he's funny, but you can tell a joke much funnier than he can. I cannot. Oh, sure you can. Come on, tell a joke. <laughs> oh, great. Oh, please, dear. Well, okay. Here's one I heard at the club. Pretty funny. Two Irishmen met on a street corner, and one Irishman said, How come there are so many twins in your family? funnier than Hope. Uh, Gra <laughs> Gracie. Oh, you just watch. He'll have that on his program next Tuesday. <laughs> that is if Betty doesn't steal it first. Mm. <laughs> Two Irishmen, you're dynamite. <laughs> I didn't finish the joke. Are there more? Certainly. The second Irishman says, why are there so many twins in my family? My parents are from Dublin. Twins, Dublin. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good, but I like the first one better. <laughs> yeah, that was a better joke, yeah. <laughs> Two eyes. Yeah, the first one was a scream, yeah. <laughs> well, that proves you're better than hope. Now, let's go to Don Amici. Honey, be sensible. Don Amici's a great talent. That's why he's the master of ceremonies this afternoon. Well, if you ask me, it's politics. <laughs> Bob Hope probably got him the job to keep in good with him. You know, he makes a lot of money out of Amici. Hope does? Well, certainly. It takes a whole tube of that toothpaste to do Amici's teeth. 
Anyway, you can't compare me with Amici. He's a great actor. Remember that picture we saw him in where he had that big love scene with Gene Tierney? I could never do that. Are you kidding? They don't call you Volcano Lip Burns for nothing. <laughs> oh, Gracie. Oh, you're a great lover. Come on, George. Take me in your strong arms and press me to your manly stomach. <laughs> All right, now, this has gone far enough. I know I'm not as funny as Hope, and I'm not the actor Amici is, so let's stop these ridiculous comparisons. Well, I was just going to say that you sing better than Bing Crosby. Is that ridiculous? It certainly is. I may sing as well, but certainly not. <laughs> well, George, life is funny, isn't it? Now, here, Bing is worried about Frank Sinatra, when all the time it's you he should worry about. <laughs> You think I'm better than Frankie, too? Frank Sinatra couldn't hold a candle to you if he could lift one. <laughs> Gee, I'd love to have a program like Bing. Well, believe me. Boom, 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 down in the garden where the red rose are. <laughs> well, you could take over his program and no one would ever know the difference. Have you heard it lately? Yes, he's got a new thing now. He doesn't have any applause from the audience. <laughs> he thinks that's new. <laughs> oh, you started that years ago in Broadway. Yeah, he stole my stuff. Well, I guess I could take over Bing's program, all right. Well, sure. Well, you even built for it. You have to be built a certain way? Well, if you've seen Bing lately, you know what they mean when they talk about that craft spread. <laughs> true that I might stack up favorably against a singer like Bing Crosby, but not against fellas like Hope, Amici, and Benny. Oh, modest boy. What has Benny got that you haven't got? I happen to know that Jack Benny never got past the sixth grade. Really? Well, sure. And your personality will more than make up for the three grades he has on you. Uh, thanks, kid. Hello, Gracie. Hello, George. Oh, it's Don Amici. Hello, Don. Merry Christmas, Don. Same to the both of you. We were talking about that love scene you did with Gene Turney. Yes, and I told George that he could have done it better. Well, yes, but when he could have done it better, there was no Gene Tierney. <laughs> well, anyway, just to satisfy my curiosity, will you make love to me right now? Oh, but, uh, what about George? Now, make love to me. <laughs> Look, I, I want to prove to myself that George is better. Now, come on, do that scene you did with Gene Tierney. Well, okay. <laughs> oh, my darling. Let me take you in my arms and crush you to me. Oh, John. <laughs> oh, I'll never let you go. Never, never. <gasps> John! Mm. Kiss those luscious lips. There. Well, Gracie? Hey, Gracie. Huh? Oh, what, George? Do you still think I'm better? Yes. Really? Yes. You're better than Hope, Crosby, and Benny. Oh.
next guest is a lovely young lady who is known far and wide for her engaging charm and her air of rare refinement. Her delicacy and distinction of manner have made her one of the most sought-after women of her generation. She is an authority on many subjects, a brilliant conversationalist. With Donna Michi, here is Miss Vera Vague. everybody, the male half. <laughs> I suspected, Miss Vega, it was something more romantic than just the Christmas holiday that brought that sparkle to your eyes. Oh, you're so right, Mr. <laughs> Only this morning, my boyfriend, Waldo, told me that possibly I'll be the next cover girl of the country. Oh, really? Yes. I suppose you've heard of Chili Williams. Oh, yes, of course. Meet Beans Vague. <laughs> Uh, uh, Miss Vague, how did you meet your boyfriend, Waldo? Uh, Waldo? Uh, well, I, I didn't exactly meet him. I overtook him. <laughs> uh, he was such a sweet boy, really. This morning, there he was waiting for me with the mantle when I came downstairs. Look, Vera, he called your Christmas stockings are all filled with walnuts. Made me so mad. Well, but why? Oh, I was wearing them at the time. I hope he gave you a nice Christmas present to make up for that remark. Oh, yes, yes, he did, really. He gave me a beautiful present and something that he invented himself. It's a remarkable thing. An umbrella with a window in it. That's, uh, that's remarkable, but uh, what, what's it for? Well, it's a great help. You see, you can look out the window and see who you're poking in the eye. <laughs> Well, Miss Vague, I, I must say you're looking awfully well these days. Oh, I, thank I, I you. Just, just love that gown. Oh, do you like it? Oh, look? yes. Please. It's nice of you to say that because I'm such a naughty girl around Christmas time. I just gorge myself with goodies. Oh. Consequently, my figure gets unpredictable. <laughs> you know, all my dresses get that LSMFT look. Uh, just what is that? So round, so firm, so fully As you know, Miss Vague, it's our hope that you'll be kind enough to give us your ideas on Christmas and Christmas customs from the various women's angles. Oh, yes, that's right. That's what I was going to do. Yes, well, I'd be happy to. All right. Uh, but any, any comments on Yuletide, I think, should begin with a word about Santa Claus. That jolly old man who rides in a sleigh drawn by a number of deer named Dunder, Blitzen, Dancer, Prancer, Dasher, and Van Johnson. <laughs> Pardon me, Miss Vague, but Van Johnson is not a deer. Uh, that's a man's viewpoint for you. <laughs> Terribly sorry I interrupted. Continue, please. Oh, well, thank you. I will. Let's see. Where was... Oh, yes. At, um, at Christmas time, you know, a very old custom is to decorate the house with various Yuletide ornaments. I know I do. Mm -hmm. You put up mistletoe, holly leaves, mistletoe, uh, pine boughs, uh, mistletoe, and more mistletoe. <laughs> Vague, you uh, seem to be stuck under the mistletoe. Well, can you think of a better place? <laughs> Shave on me. Now, let's get down to earth again here. Oh, yes. One of our most charming traditions is the sharing of holiday beverages with friends. Mm -hmm. I livened things up this year by using a 17th century Celtic recipe and making my Tom and Jerry's. Oh, and how were they? Pretty strong? Well, I'm not sure, but after three of them, Tom wasn't speaking to Jerry. <laughs> 
I think people would like to know whether Christmas customs have changed much. Uh, no, no. No, they haven't changed a bit. Well, now, Miss Vega, I think you're wrong. Things are really quite different from the days of our pilgrim fathers, for instance, when they had to tramp around for days hunting for a turkey. Uh, Mr. Amici, who did your marketing this year? <laughs> oh, incidentally, Mr. Amici, the first turkey, this is very interesting, the first turkey was served for Christmas in 1524. Mm -hmm. Oddly enough, potatoes weren't served till 1856, so you can see the first person to say pass, the potatoes had quite a weight. <laughs> <laughs> I think... Uh, <laughs> I think that was the origin of the expression, cold turkey. But uh, anyway, uh, and, uh, thank you. Enough of the uh, current and past traditions. Would you care to hear about my holiday ideas for the post-war period? Yes, Miss Vague. What did you do after Lee surrendered? <laughs> oh, you dear boy. I hope you got a pincushion for Christmas. <laughs> Something to lay your little pin head on. <laughs> Oh, no, 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 I didn't mean it. Uh, though, oh, I knew there was something I wanted to ask your advice about. I forgot to get a present for my Uncle Philbert. Had you any last-minute suggestions? I was going to get him a pipe, but he has one already, an enormous one. Well, he might like to have a pouch. Oh, no, he's already got an enormous one. Oh, oh, I, it. oh I almost forgot something. I've got to run along, Mr. McDonough. I'm giving it a party at home this afternoon for 250 servicemen. It's going to be a very gay little affair. Why, Miss Vague, that is wonderful. Two hundred and fifty. Two hundred and fifty. How many girls have you invited? Girls? Yes. Oh, silly me. I knew I forgot something. This is Bill Baldwin inviting you to keep listening to this special two-hour Christmas Day program for the American Forces Radio and Television Service. Home has always been the happiest word in the English language, especially on this Christmas Day. Of course, home may mean something different to each one of us. A city flat, a country farm, a western ranch... But if the address is 79 Wistful Vista, home means just one thing to all of us. The lovable couple who are waiting for us right this minute. Jim and Marion Jordan as Fibber McGee and Molly. people who simply won't admit that nature does anything right. They are the kind who gild cattails, paint whose little tootsie are you on the shells of baby turtles, and clip poodle dogs to look like anemic lions. Here's one of those people now, as we meet Fibber McGee and Molly. Fibber. 
Hey, Fred, how much you charge me to paint this Christmas tree white? Why do you want it white, McGee? What do you mean, why do I want it white? You've got a hundred trees in this lot you've painted white. Yeah, and I think they're horrible. What? Some people like them that way. Never mind the artistic comment, Fred. How much? Ten dollars. Ten dollars? To spray a little white paint on this half-pint tree? Who do you think you are, Rembrandt? <laughs> Look, looky here, maybe you didn't understand, Fritz. I want this tree painted white, not gold-plated. Ten bucks. You're a pirate, and I'll bet you've made $200 already today. You're a cheapskate, and I've made $340. <laughs> You're a robber, and you want to sell a half-interest in this joint? You're a stoop, and I wouldn't sell my own mother a half-interest. You're a low-down, no A dirty swindler, ten bucks to spray a little tree white. The rat, cheating people right and left, making four hundred bucks a day. The chiseler, go down chiseler. What's the matter, McGee? This time. <laughs> that guy Fred Corrigan that runs the Christmas tree lot at Fourteenth and Oak. That's dirty pine broker. <laughs> One to charge me ten bucks to paint our Christmas tree white. Well, that does seem a little high, dearie. But think of the work there is to it. Putting all those needles back on after the paint dries? <laughs> they don't take the needles off. They just spray the trees. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. That's all there is to it. Well, if wishing will make it so, why don't you do it yourself? If it's a $10 job, I can't afford to pay myself that much. Besides, <laughs> I haven't got a paint spray, so... Hey... Haven't we got a paint spray attachment on the vacuum cleaner? Oh, dear. Oh, my gosh. I can have that tree painted white before you can say, don't it look awful. <laughs> now, McGee, please, I realize we need the house painted, but not on the inside. Let's leave the tree green. Oh, you'll love a white one, Snooky. It's a modern thing. Nobody uses green trees anymore. They're outmooded. Hmm. <laughs> you don't say. Well, tell me, Salvador. <clears throat> what color snow are people using this year? Chartreuse? No kidding, Molly. White Christmas trees are all the rage. Everybody. They knows. must be. They throw me into one. Now look, sweetheart. Just put the tree up and trim it. I love a green Christmas tree. Don't you, Alice? Don't I Look, Molly, I'll put it up to Alice Fair and Square and let her give an opinion. Here's the preposition, kid. <laughs> if you were going to have a Christmas tree, which would you rather have? A dusty, drab, dirty old green one or a bright, snappy, glistening white one? Which, Alice? Mistletoe. No. <laughs> Mistletoe. What an answer. Oh, Jeepers, don't you like to hang up a little bouquet of mistletoe, Mr. McGee? Oh, <laughs> he's too shy, Alice. <laughs> I am not shy. What good is mistletoe? Catch somebody under it, and it's either somebody you can kiss anyway, like your wife, or you get a slap in the chops before you can point up to it. <laughs> mistletoe, bah. That's just poison ivy with berries. <laughs> Put some up, Alice, and you'll see who manages to spend most of his time loitering around beneath it. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, now, dear, uh, do you like a white Christmas tree? Well, I like them all, Mrs. McGee. I don't care if they're purple. Gertrude always has a white one, though, and she likes them. Who's Gertrude? We know her. Oh, she's the boy who always rides past here in the cream-colored Cadillac and honks his horned sister. <laughs> I see. 
Well, uh, himself, he used to go with a man who owned a such bearcat's knees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I gave her up for an old guy with a broken-down Maxwell's daughter. <laughs> but honestly now, Alice, don't you really prefer a white Christmas tree? Well, I got awfully tired of them, Mr. McGee. When I was a little girl, my father gave us kids some little tiny paintbrushes and told us to paint a Christmas tree white. Heavenly days. Oh. It must have taken you children a long time to paint a tree with little brushes. Uh, how long did it take you, Alice? Oh, we never did get it finished. But it kept us off the streets till we were 18 years old. <laughs> well, I gotta wrap some presents. See you later. Mm. <laughs> right, kid. How all that lovely golden hair can grow out of that solid bone, I'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's awfully sweet, though, McGee. There isn't a mean thought in Alice's head. No, nor any other kind. <laughs> well, this ain't getting my tree sprayed. Where'd you leave the tree, dearie? Out in front. I can attach the vacuum cleaner cord from the porch light. Now, let me see if I get the porch... Come in. Oh, hello there, Dr. Gamble. Hello, Molly. How are you today, pantry paunch? <laughs> fine, Jumbo, fine. You out spreading a little Christmas cheer? Telling your patients you're going to retire? Oh. <laughs> He's not going to retire for years yet, are you, Doctor? My dear, I will retire on that far distant day when I can write a personal check for $400 and not have the hired help at the Fourth National Bank burst into hysterical laughter. Why, <laughs> go on, you old miser. You got that much buried under a loose brick in the fireplace right now. Trouble with you is you got more affection for a dollar than my wife has for a pound of butter. And that's the love match of the year, fatso. <laughs> to say that, though, McGee. Dr. Gamble does more private charity work than anybody in town. Certainly. I'm a very noble character. When I walk down the street, flowers spring into bloom. Ooh. Birds burst into song, and taxi cabs honk twice before they try to kill me. <laughs> well, i got to run along now. This is my busy season, you I know. I suppose the children keep you pretty busy around Christmas time, Doctor, huh? No, it's the so-called grown-ups, my dear. Huh? This is a silly season when 200-pound men start climbing 49-cent stepladders to wire dime store angels to the tops of $3 Christmas trees and wind up in a $500 plastic hat. <laughs> Pennywise and compound fracture foolish. Don't you want to stick around and watch me trim our Christmas tree, Doc? I'm painting it white. Well, you don't have to do that, skip wit. Huh? When I put my gift for you under it, it'll turn white. <laughs> Ah, that doggone thing there goes again. Plods up like a sentimental woman at a sad movie. What seems to be the matter, dear? This paint spray goes along all right for a minute, then it chokes up. And when it comes loose again, it throws a blob of paint that'll knock IQ out of the balcony. <laughs> well, found it on the porch steps. And maybe that'll loosen it up. Okay, I will. There, now I'll try it. Okay. Ah! A heavenly days, Mickey. You almost hit me with that. I'm sorry, kiddo. I didn't know it was loaded. Well, here we go. <laughs> there, now. Just, uh, 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 Dad ratted it, done it again. Clogged up. Ah, that does it. Now, ah, I'll have this tree sprayed before you can Watch say... Watch your aim, dearie. Huh? No, you better shut it off. Here comes Mrs. Carstairs. No. Hello there, Mrs. Carstairs. Won't you come in the house and have a slug of tea? No, thank you, my dear. I'm just out walking my Pekingese and must hurry along. What Pekingese, Carsty? I don't see him. Oh, it was too cold for him to come along, Mr. McGee. <laughs> <laughs> but his 
long as one of us goes out, he's satisfied. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's really a sweet little dog, Millicent, from what I've seen of him. Personally, I wouldn't have one of them four-legged dust mops as a gift. <laughs> Give me a man-sized dog. I ever tell you about the hunting dog I had once, Carsey, by the name of Durante? Durante? Yeah, what a nose that dog had. <laughs> Never forget one time we were walking through the woods. Me and my dog, pipe over my shoulder, gun in my mouth. What was that again? Uh, gun over my shoulder and pipe in my mouth. When all of a sudden, Durante freezes. He's on point. Nose quivering, tail out like a ramrod. One foot in the air. I raises my gun, walk slowly forward, and there, not ten feet away, was a guy sitting on a stump. <laughs> That was quite a dog, Mr. McGee. Trained to flush game wardens, was he? No, sir. I bawled the dog out, and then I was never so ashamed in my life. It was the smartest thing he'd ever done. Why? Well, sir, I got talking to the guy, and you know what? His name was Partridge. Oh. <laughs> Henry W. Partridge. Wasn't that wonderful, Carsey? No, I don't think that's so remarkable, Mr. McGee. In the light of what a police dog of mine once did. What was that, Millicent? After all, it's so cold out tonight, the bologna won't spoil. <laughs> well, this dog of ours was extremely intelligent. Mm -hmm. One day, I had him in the post office, and I noticed he was staring at the police posters on the wall. Suddenly, he dashed out the door and was gone. Probably went out to steal an apple off a fruit stand, Garcy. <laughs> no. When I got home, he was gripping our butler by the vest pocket and was barking into the telephone, which he'd knocked off the table. When the police arrived, it turned out that Jarvis was wanted by the authorities in three states. Yes, but why was your dog holding him by the best pocket, Millicent? That was where our butler kept his fountain pen. You see, he was wanted for forgery. <laughs> <laughs> well, so nice to see you. Good evening. <laughs> Who does she think she's kidding? I don't believe a word of that stuff. <laughs> I bet she made that whole thing up. <laughs> well, never mind her, dearie. Get busy with that paint before it freezes solid, huh? will you? Oh, oh, gee, it might have that. Well, back to work. Ah, there. Oh, there she blows. Yeah. Stopped uh, hmm. up again, McGee? Yeah, the doggone thing. <laughs> I only got about a third of this tree sprayed, too. Maybe it's... Hey. What? How could Carstairs' dog be gripping the butler by the best and barking into the phone at the same time? Why, <laughs> <laughs> she didn't say he was gripping the butler with his teeth, dearie. Huh? You know, after all, a dog as smart as that could hold him down with one hind paw, dial the police station with the other, and use his front feet to take fingerprints. <laughs> yeah, maybe, but how she... Oh, well, why should I worry? Ah, ah, that's better yet. You're getting that's more better. paint on yourself than you are on the tree, McGee. Well, the wind keeps changing. They ought to make these paint sprays with a weather vane on them. <laughs> why, George, if, 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 Oh, dear. If. In the time you've taken to get this tree a dirty gray pet, I could have whitewashed the Kaibab National Forest with a flip gun. <laughs> Well, doggone it, I don't Hello, see... Hello, folks, what's going on Hello, here? Hello, Mr. Wilcox. Hi, Junior. Pull up a front step and give yourself a three-point <laughs> landing. <laughs> <laughs> you want your Christmas tree painted white, Mr. Wilcox. Try home and get it. Yeah, I won't be out here very long, Junior. As soon as I adjust the nozzle on this... Hey, wait a minute, Mac. Do you mean to stand there like a front man for painter's colic and tell me you're actually going to ruin that pretty little tree with white paint? Ruining that refugee from the forest primeval? 
despoiling a magnificent evergreen. Ah, uh, skip the dramatics, Junior. We know you memorized Evangeline in high school. And you played the heavy in the Chautauqua Company of Rebecca Sunnybrook Farm, too, didn't you, Mr. Wilcox? The juvenile lead, if you please. And if I don't get back to the office in the next ten minutes, I'll find myself back in Chautauqua. <laughs> so long, kid. <laughs> It was the biggest ham I've seen since Blue Boy went to the state fair. <laughs> he better be careful or he'll wind up on a platter with an apple in his mouth. Now, ah, but this ain't getting my tree sprayed. Well, hurry up. You almost got it done now. Yeah. Now, let's see. I get it all loosened up good. Ah, there she goes. Ah, this is the best it's been yet. Yeah. Look how high the tree is getting, Molly. There's one question I'd like to ask you, McGee. Are you sure? Don't that... bother me now, kiddo. I'm doing too good. Hot dog. Ain't that getting beautiful? I finally got this spray gun working perfect. I know, but look, McGee, I've been wanting to ask you if... Later, Tootsie, later. I'm just about finished now. Just up there a little bit. Huh. Oh, gee, I'm through. <laughs> All done. And believe me, that's the whitest white Christmas tree you'll ever see. Now, won't you admit this is a mighty pretty effect, baby? Yes, if you like that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll go and make some hot coffee, dearie. Okay. McGee? Huh? Whose Christmas tree is this on the front porch? Oh, that's the one I bought this morning that I'm going to paint white. <laughs> what? Oh, my gosh. What tree did I paint? The one that's been growing there in the yard all these years. <laughs> Bring in the vacuum cleaner when you come. Have all that debt. If I ain't the dumbest bloke that ever drew breath. A wise guy. A know-it-all. Can't tell one tree from another. One that's growing and one that ain't. I must. I'm a brainless, incompetent, ham-handed Butterfingers. If I wasn't so stupid, I'd never let me sit here and insult myself like this. <laughs> dad, rat, dad. Oh, hi, mister. What's the matter? I know that voice. Is that you, Teeny? Sure is, I betcha. Hmm. What you sitting there with your head in your hands for, mister? Got a headache? Want me to get you an aspirin, hmm? Mommy too, hmm? No, no, thanks. Medicine won't touch the kind of headache I got. I just busted my ego in four places. Gee, I'm sorry, mister. Yeah. Oh, boy. Who did that? Huh? Who did what? Who painted that tree white? Hmm? Gee, is that ever beautiful? Yeah, but that ain't the one And I it's th growing right there in your yard. Yeah, you see, I got a little confused and oh, I Oh, Mr. McGee, you're wonderful. Huh? I am? Mm -hmm. You're the nicest man in town, I bet you. Hmm? You put your Christmas tree right out in the front yard where everybody can share it with you, didn't you? Well, I, I didn't exactly. Gee, all the kids in the neighborhood are going to love you for this, mister. Why, I can hardly wait to get it all lighted up. <laughs> you can't, eh? Hmm? I says you can't, eh? Can't what? You can't wait till I get it all lighted up. Gee, neither can I. <laughs> and you know what, mister? What? When it's... When it's growing in the ground like that, it can't wobble and fall over either. <laughs> Our Christmas tree at home is always wobbly. Yeah, lots of people make that mistake, sis. They don't stop to think if they were a tree and got all lit up and then came into a warm room, they'd wobble a little too. Skip it. <laughs> so you think it looks all right out here in the front yard? Oh, huh? boy. I'll say. Mm -hmm. Now all the little children that haven't got Christmas trees can come and see yours, can't they? Yeah, I, uh, I kind of plan to get a lot of little bags of candy and stuff and let the kids help themselves Christmas Eve, sis. 
I just planned that. <laughs> Think they'd like that? Gee, will I ever? And us kids will sing. Sing what? You know, the song we sing for you every Christmas time. Twas the night before Christmas. Oh. Would you like to hear it now, Mr. Hing, would you, Hing? Yes. Yes, I believe I would, sir. Okay. Hey, Kenny, Johnny, Buddy, Randy, come here. He wants to hear it, all right. Wonderful bunch of kids going around the neighborhood with a 30-piece orchestra. Went straight to his work and 
Then turned with a jerk Then laying a finger aside of his nose And giving a nod up the chimney he rolled He sprang to his place just like to add another word. Yes, Fibber, what is it? Today is Christmas Day, a day with many names and many customs. In France, it's called Noel, Weihnacht in Germany, Il Natal in Italy, Navidad in Spain. Christmas Eve to us is the night for Santa Claus to fill the stockings, but in Norway, it's a, a little gnome with a red pointed cap and long flowing beard who does the honors. In Italy, it's a little old lady filling the empty pockets of clothes hung near the fireplace. It's many things to many people, but throughout every nation, it's a day of family reunion and friendly good cheer around the Christmas table. And for all listeners, it's something very special. It's a touch of home, of America, and I am happy to extend the warmth of my good wishes, and I'm proud to share this evening with you. Good night. <laughs> Spike Jones and his city slickers became a big hit in the early 40s, and it was just 33 years ago this month that their song, All I Want for Christmas is My Two Front Teeth, became a million-selling hit. Our Golden Days of Christmas is proud to present Spike Jones and his city slickers. Yeah. 
special two-hour Christmas program will continue following station identification and five minutes of the latest news from many American Forces Network stations around the world.
of Christmas begins its second hour. In the next 60 minutes, we'll hear Jack Benny, Don Wilson, Rochester, Dennis Day, Bob Crosby, Mel Blank, Mary Livingston, Artie Auerbach, June Allison, Benny Rubin, European motion picture star Krista Linder, and a special Christmas salute to Bing Crosby. And now, once again, your host for the full two hours, Frank Brzee. Because some of you may have tuned in late for this 12th annual Christmas Day greeting from America, we say once again, Merry Christmas to all of you from each of the stars named by Bill Baldwin, from the American Forces Radio and Television Service, and of course, myself. Our hearts are light this Christmas Day. We've given gifts and received them, and we are enjoying the greatest gift of all, the gift of love. Let us make certain that Christmas will always be as it is today, a day of love, true rejoicing, laughter, and song. Laughter is what we're presenting now as we feature one of the great comedians of all time on this special edition of The Jack Benny Show. special Christmas show with Mary Livingston, Dennis Day, Rochester, Bob Crosby, the Sportsman Quartet, yours truly, Don Wilson. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, it is with great pleasure and deepest respect that I present the star of our show, a man who's not only the dean of American comedy, but who, like the tide, keeps rolling along month after month, year in and year out who despite the wearing of the elements and the ravages of time, only gains in quality, and who, although failing in memory, has managed to grope his way to the microphone, and here he is, Jack Benny! Thank you, thank you, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Life with Methuselah. <laughs> Oh, Don, Don. Yes, what is it, Jack? Look, I don't want to start off by complaining, but here we are doing a big special Christmas show, and you have to introduce me like that. Well, Jack, I thought I gave you a very nice send-off. 
Don, after that introduction, the people won't know whether to expect jokes or organ music. <laughs> Made me sound 300 years old. Well, believe me, Jack, I didn't mean it that way. Oh, you didn't, eh? Well, look, Don, we have a show to do tonight, so let's... Jack, get... if I'd had any idea that you would misconstrue what was meant to be a compliment, I certainly wouldn't have said it. Okay, Don, okay, let's forget I it now. I can't forget it. I wouldn't say anything to hurt you for the world. All right. As well... a matter of fact, when I thought of that introduction and told it to my wife, and she said, Donald, that's beautiful. I'm so glad you're not going to say anything to make that old goat unhappy. <laughs> Your wife called me an old goat? Well, Don, has your wife by any chance seen the contract you have with me? How could she miss it? You had it tattooed on my chest. <laughs> well, the next time you take a deep breath, have her read the small print. I can fire you anything. Now, wait a minute, Jack. You can't let me go after all the years I've been with you. I started as your announcer in 1934. And during all these 22 years, I've given you loyalty and devotion. Some loyalty. Every time I cut your salary, you tell everybody. <laughs> now, Don, why don't you just... If you ever cut my salary, my mother would slap your silly face. <laughs> Dana! Dennis, I wasn't talking to you. Well, it's about time you did. I've been here since 5.30 this morning. 5.30 this morning? How come you got here so early? Well, I have to come by bus, and I wanted to make sure I'd be here on time. Oh. How far do you live from here? Three miles. <laughs> well, if you only live three miles away, why did you start out so early? Who knew I'd take the right bus? Well, then you, you did take the right bus. Though. It must have been. It got me to San Diego in time to catch the plane back here. <laughs> Wait a minute, Dennis. You took a bus to San Diego and then flew back here to Los Angeles. Now, why, why would you do that? Well, the only way I know how to get to the studio is from the airport. <laughs> now, cut that out! <laughs> now, where was I? Oh, yes. And now, ladies and gentlemen... You want to fire me? Go ahead. <laughs> huh? You need me on this show. Look, Don... How many laughs would you get if I weren't a big, fat slob? <laughs> Don, nobody's firing you, and nobody's mad, so just forget about the whole thing, will you? Hello, Jack. Well, Bob, Bob Crosby. Everyone. Hello, Dennis. I've been here since 5.30 this morning. Dennis, nobody's interested. Well, I'm sorry that I'm late, Jack, but, well, I've been with my agent lining up some guest stars for my afternoon television show. Oh, that must be quite a problem when you're on every day like you are. Huh? Well, uh, Jack, uh, we've managed all right so far. I don't see how you do it. You know, the trouble I have getting guest stars for my TV show, and it's it's only on every other week. Well, Jack, we've worked out an entirely different system for getting guests than the one that you use. A different system? Well, I mean, how does yours work? Well, we pay them. <laughs> you, uh, Bob, you pay? You pay your guest stars? Yeah, you ought to try it sometime. <laughs> Look, it's your system. Why should I steal it? <laughs> a song, Bob. Okay. Okay, let's have it. <laughs> 
Suntans wind blown, honeymooners at last alone, feeling far above par. Oh, how lucky we are! While I give to you, and you give to me. you liked it, Jack, but gee, I looked over at you while I was singing that number, and I had the feeling that you were upset. Well, it had nothing to do with your singing, Bob. I just oh. thought that since we're trying to do a big, classy show tonight, you should have hired some other musicians instead of my regular orchestra, the same gang here. A different orchestra? Well, Jack, I think this is one of the finest musical aggregations that I've ever worked with. Oh, you do, eh? Mm-hmm. Well, Bob, I'd like to ask you a question. Let's say about Don Rice, for instance, the bass player. Don Rice? Yeah. And nobody slaps a bass like he does. That's what I'm getting at. Why is it he always sticks his hand in a bucket of water before he slaps the bass? <laughs> of course, a habit. What? Well, he used to work in a brewery slapping labels on beer bottles. <laughs> I'll accept your explanation of Mr. Rice's musical eccentricities, but what about Bagby, your piano player? Well, what about good old Bags? Well, Bob, I won't say anything about the fact that he's on parole. <laughs> but he can't read music. He doesn't know the white keys from the black keys. I never saw such a crazy-looking piano. Now, what's that extra pedal for? Well, that was Bagby's idea. Four pedals on a piano? What are they? Well, they're soft, medium, loud, and gas. <laughs> Gas pedal? He never knows when he's going to have to make a getaway. <laughs> well, that answers my other question. <laughs> I was going to ask why the piano has white sidewall tires. <laughs> Bagby thinks everything, Jack. Well, it's too bad he doesn't think a little more about music. What'd you say? 
I said it's too bad he doesn't think a little more about music. Oh, no. Bob, you know as well as I do, not only does Bagby play by ear, but if it isn't in the key of C, he can't play at all. Oh, he can't, huh? Okay, Jack, you ask for it now. Bagby. Yeah? Come here a minute. Well, you said that all he knows is in the key of C. Well, let's find out. Go ahead and ask him anything at all. Okay. Now, uh, Bagby, how about something with three sharps? Okay, Charlie, go ahead. Give him something with three sharps. Well, think hard, Charlie. Come on. Oh, I know. The Andani Movement from the Barber of Seville by Gillette. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Let me get this right. The Andani Movement from the Barber of Seville by Gillette. Three sharp? Look sharp. Feel sharp. Be sharp. I apologize, Bob. You can tell Bagby to go now. Okay, Charlie, you can go now. <laughs> he drove the piano right out of the studio. <laughs> you know, sometimes I Pardon think... me, but I have a package for Mr. Benny. Oh, I'll take it, boy. Uh, yes, sir. Sign right here, please. Certainly. There. Thank you. Oh, just a minute, boy. Here's a tip for you. Thank you. Hey, fellas! Look at this beautiful package that just came, isn't it? Boy, you can go. Aren't you going to open it? <laughs> what? The package. Please. Please open it. It says don't open until Christmas. Why should I open it now? You gotta. I can't stand it any longer. For two weeks now, without a day off, I'm delivering Christmas packages. Big ones, small ones, green ones, red ones, blue ones, white ones. Look, boy. I keep trying to guess what's in these packages. The big ones, the small ones, the green ones, the red ones. Boy, take it easy. I can't help it. At night when I get home, I can't eat, I can't sleep. I keep thinking, 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 what's in those packages? The red ones, the green ones, the big ones. It's driving me nuts. Look, fellas. Please, 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 open it. There, it's open. It's from my old friend, Julia Sinekin. I don't care who it's from. What is it? What is it? Here, you see, it's an ashtray. Oh, goody, goody. It's an ashtray. It's an ashtray. Now I can sleep tonight. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to know and thank you, sir. Good day. <laughs> Gosh, it takes so little to make some people happy. <laughs> well, to get on with the show, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce... Don, would you get the phone, please? Get it yourself. I'm not working here anymore. <laughs> Don, I didn't fire you. Well, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to sit here. I've been here since 5.30 this morning. Oh, for heaven's sake! <laughs> Hello? Hello, Jack. This is Mary. Mary, where are you calling from? I'm at home, Jack, and I was just wondering if you still wanted me to help you with your Christmas shopping. Yeah, I wish you would. Well, I've got some time today. Wonderful. I'll come by and pick you up right after the show. Fine. I'll be ready. Oh, and by the way, Jack, I meant to thank you for giving me my Christmas bonus in advance. 
That's all right, Mary. What'd you do with it? I added $5 to it and gave it to my maid for her bonus. <laughs> That's nice. Well, I'll see you later, Mary. Okay, bye, Jack. Bye. Behind you. Oh, yes. Hey, Mary, how'd you like the way I wiggled myself through that crowd in front of the store, huh? Those rumble lessons you took from Martha Murray really helped. <laughs> I'll say. Boy, these stores are sure jammed. Huh? Pardon me, mister. Did you see my wife? Huh? Are you talking to me? Yeah. Did you see my wife? No, I haven't. As a matter of fact, I don't even know your wife. Then how do you know you didn't see her? <laughs> now, mister, how could I... Hey, stand here jabbering. I better go look for her. Chloe! <laughs> what did I do with that shopping list I had? Oh, here it is, Jack. Oh, yes. Now, let's see. I've already gotten gifts from my producer, my sound man, and my script girl. Uh, Mary, I still haven't got anything from my sister Florence in Chicago. Have you got any ideas for her? Gee, I don't know. It ought to be something nice. You know, Mary, I have no brothers and no other sisters. Florence is only my only close relative. I ought to get her something nice. Uh, what'd you get her last year? A pencil sharpener. <laughs> oh, how sweet, Jack. But then she is your only sister. We've always been very close. She writes to me all the time, you know. When you have a house full of sharp pencils, you gotta do something. <laughs> I'm terribly sorry. Oh, that way pickly. Well, hello, Mr. Benny. Well, Mr. Kitchen. <laughs> oh, my, I see the Yule time is catching up with you. You too, Miss Livingstone. Yes. <laughs> Are you doing your Christmas shopping, Mr. Kitzel? <laughs> Just look on this armload of bundles. Oh, my, the things I am buying. For my wife, I'm getting a house coat. And for my nephew, I'm getting some electric things. Lionel? No, his name is Sam. <laughs> Well, excuse me, Mr. Benny, I got to run over to the liquor department to buy a present for my brother. I'm going to get him some of that expensive imported brandy. Oh, Napoleon? No, his name is Lionel. <laughs> oh. Well, I got to bid you goodbye, Mr. Benny. Goodbye, Mr. Kitzel, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Mr. Kitzel. Same to you. Mr. Kitzel's such a jolly fellow. Mary, let... Mary, now, where did she go? Oh, there she is at the end of the counter. Chloe! <laughs> uh, may I wait on you, miss? Yes, I'd like to get something for a gentleman. A gentleman? Your husband? No, my boss. I've worked with him for an awfully long time, and I'd like to show my appreciation. Oh, here's something nice. A gold tie class. A gold tie class? No. Well, how about a gold keychain? No. Well, how about gold cufflinks? Look, mister, I don't want to get him anything he can melt down. <laughs> Gee, I 
wish I could think of something. Well, if he's your boss, you'll want to get him something nice. After all, he's responsible for your bread and butter. Only bread. <laughs> oh. Well, uh, uh, tell me, miss, uh, what kind of a man is your boss? Oh, there's nothing unusual about him. He's average height, average weight. How old is he? Well, he says he's around 39. Around 39, huh? Yeah, but I think it's the second time around. <laughs> Oh, how about a pair of military brushes? He certainly can use those, can't he? Only if his head itches. <laughs> well, well, he is quite a problem. Well, perhaps uh, I could help you better if you told me how closely you two are associated. Uh, are you engaged? No, we're not. Well, <laughs> is he your boyfriend? No, as a matter of fact, he treats me more like a sister. How about a pencil sharpener? <laughs> Yes, we ship one to Chicago every year. <laughs> it goes to a girl named Flossie. Oh, no. You mean Florence. I feel like I know her. <laughs> Mary. Mary, let's not keep losing each other. I, I spend more oh, time... Hello, Mr. Benny. Oh, oh, hello, hello. Uh, it's on its way to Chicago. <laughs> oh, well, wait a minute. This year, I'm not going to get my sister... I'm going to get my sister something different. You know? Oh, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Mary, will you stop looking at me that way? I was planning all along to get Florence something else. That's what you're here for, to help me. I wonder what hey, I... Hey, mister, are you sure you didn't see my wife? <laughs> Look, I'd like to help you, but I don't know what your wife looks like. Has she any identifying marks? Well, she's got a birthmark on, uh, never mind, I'll look for her myself. <laughs> yes, yes, you better. Chloe! <laughs> it's so hard to know what to get for Florence. St. Jack, here's the jewelry department. They're having a big sale on watches. Watches? I don't know. My sister already has two wristwatches. <laughs> Only got two arms. <laughs> I know. I could get her a dozen handkerchiefs. That's silly. She only got one nose. <laughs> Mary, I wish you... Hey, wait a minute, Jack. Isn't that Rochester over there at the counter? Yeah, I bet he's buying something for me. I'm going to eavesdrop and see what he gets me. Jack! Quiet, Mary. May I wait on you? Yeah, I'm looking for a Christmas present for my boss. For your boss? Uh, well, uh, how about a tie? No, he's got lots of those. Well, how about a wallet or a money clip? Money clip? What's a money clip? Uh, you know, it's a thing to hold your folding money. I've never had any that folds. How's <laughs> it work? Well, it's a spring-like metal clip that holds the money tight. He's got a fist that does that. <laughs> the things you've told me, your boss sounds rather unusual. Uh, who do you work for? Mr. Benny. Jack Benny? Uh-huh. Wow, what are your duties with Mr. Benny? Well, besides being his rumba partner, 
I'm his personal secretary, legal advisor, attorney at law, and I used to select the scripts for the movies he made. You picked his movies? He had to blame somebody. <laughs> well, I don't agree with you. I think that Mr. Benny is a great entertainer, whether it's stage, screen, radio, or television. And as far as I'm concerned, his last TV show was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. You keep talking like that, and you'll be in line for a pencil sharpener. <laughs> Mary, I still don't know what to get Well, my... Mr. Benny, imagine running into you again. I thought you finished your Christmas shopping. I had to come back. I forgot to get a present for my uncle. I'm buying him a cigarette lighter. Ronson? No, his name is Shapiro. <laughs> Go on, Mr. Kitzel. Too long. seem to be getting anything accomplished. Look, Mary, you don't buy the first thing you see, you know. Well, I'll make it easy for you. If you like, I'll go and pick out a nice pair of stockings for your sister. Mary, if I want to send my sister stockings, I could pick them out myself. Didn't I send you a beautiful pair for your birthday? Some stockings. When I wore them, everybody thought I was a nurse. <laughs> well, I got you a part on medic, so don't come back. <laughs> Let's try the other side of the Yes, sir. May I help you, young man? Yeah, I'm looking for Christmas gifts for my parents. Well, your mother and father, eh? Yeah, how did you know? <laughs> well, I, uh, I just figured it out. Yeah, I wonder what mother would like. Oh, say, I know. I'll get her one of these. What size is this one? Uh, 38. No, that'll be a little too small. Uh, what size is this one here? Well, that's a 44. Oh, that's fine. Put some bullets in it and wrap it up, huh? <laughs> Frankly, I'm a little reluctant to sell this to you. Does your mother know how to use a gun? Oh, sure. She's a crack shot. Every morning, she practices shooting an apple off my father's head. Oh, no. Yeah, she only missed once. <laughs> huh? Now it doesn't make any difference if Pop sits in front of me while I'm watching the television. these shirts over here. Oh, they're very nice. They'd make a wonderful gift for your father. No, I got him some last year, but I was thinking of that blue one for my boss, Mr. Benny. Well, it's a very smart shirt. Uh, the color is the latest thing. Uh-huh. Oh, Dennis. Dennis. Oh, hello, Mr. Benny. Hello, Mary. Hello, Dennis. Doing your Christmas shopping? Yeah, I was just going to decide on Mr. Benny's gift, and he had to walk up and spoil the whole thing. Oh, I'm sorry, kid. I didn't know you wanted it to be a surprise. Yeah, now you'll have to close your eyes. Okay. You got him closed? Uh-huh. Okay, mister, you can wrap it up now and put it in a shoebox so you won't know it's a shirt. Can I open my eyes now? Yeah. Gee, that was a close one. Mr. Benny, is he always this way? Only when he talks. When he sings, he's a different person. I'm a regular Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. Go ahead, Dennis. Show him how you can sing. In which voice? What? A Jekyll is a bass. <laughs> When you've grown up, my dear, and are as old as I, you'll often 
and ponder on the years that roll so swiftly by, my dears, that roll so swiftly by, and of the many lands you will have journeyed through, you'll oft recall the best of all, and your childhood you. You see, mister, I told you, when Dennis sings, he becomes an entirely different... <laughs> Gee, he fell asleep. Well, he's been up since 5.30 this morning. <laughs> will you help me move him off the counter? No, leave him there. Maybe somebody will buy him. <laughs> Come on, Mary, let's keep moving or we'll never get our shopping done. Now, let me see if I could just think of something different to buy for my sister, my word. Oh, Jack, look. There's June Allison. June, June, Dad, here. Hello, June. Hello, June. You look wonderful. Oh, thank you, Mary. I haven't seen you since we were shopping together in London last summer. And, Jack, I'm so glad I ran into you today. 
I want to thank you very much for remembering me. Oh, did you get my present already? Oh, no. Just the card telling me you were going to send me one. <laughs> Jack sent you a card? Uh-huh. I think I've got it here. Oh, yes, here it is. I'm sending you a present. The 25th is the date. So you'll have plenty of time to reciprocate. <laughs> a nice poem. Sounds more like a ransom note. <laughs> does not. Then why did you throw it through my window tied to a rock? Rocks are cheaper than stamps and let's drop the subject. <laughs> oh, by the way, June, I saw your latest picture. You can't run away from it and I just loved it. Oh, thank you, Mary. My, I certainly enjoyed doing that picture with Jack Lemon. By the way, your husband, Dick Powell, directed that, didn't he? Yes. <laughs> And if I do say so myself, I think he did a wonderful job. Well, frankly, June, I'm very disappointed in Dick, and I wish you'd tell him when you get home. You see, he led me to believe that I would have the leading role in that picture. Well, he was going to use you, Jack, but then at the last minute he changed his mind. Why? Well, he figured that if on the marquee it said, Jack Benny, you can't run away from it, people wouldn't know whether it was a title or a warning. <laughs> Dick not to be so smart. I remember when he couldn't get a job in this town. You can remember when Ethel Barrymore auditioned for Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farm. <laughs> all right, all right. But seriously, June, you make a lot of pictures. Why is it that you and I never make a picture together? Well, I know you're popular here, Jack, but the trend now is to make pictures for the international market. But they love me over there. Look at the Palladium in London last summer. You were there, you remember. Right in the middle of my act, the audience stood up and cheered for ten minutes. Oh, yes, I remember. That was the night the Queen walked in. <laughs> yeah, well, I told one of my big jokes, they cheered for another ten minutes. That was when the Queen walked out. <laughs> walked out, walked out. Hey, Jack, look at that strange package that woman is carrying. Where? Over there. Looks like Dennis Day's head sticking out of it. <laughs> somebody did buy it. <laughs> well, I've got to run along. Okay, June, give my best to... Hey, June, why are you limping? Oh, it's nothing too bad. You know, a strange thing happened. When I came downtown to go shopping... I stepped off the curb and some idiot driving a piano ran over my foot. Driving a piano? Mary, I'll explain it to you later. <laughs> Goodbye, June, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Mary, I don't want to be here all day. I'm going to get that other present for my sister. Let's go over to the perfume counter. Well, Jack, I've got some other shopping to do, so I'll meet you there later. All right, Mary, don't be too long. Yeah, I wonder what kind of perfume I... Oh, there you are. What? Where is she? <laughs> oh, 
for heaven's sake. Why do you keep asking me about your wife? I told you I don't know what she looks like. Well, here, I'll uh, show you a picture of her. See? This? <laughs> this is your wife? Yep. Seems silly of me to keep looking for her, don't it? <laughs> Mister, she must be in the store someplace, so just keep looking. You'll probably find her. I hope not. <laughs> so long, Rube. Rube. Chloe. Store, so I can stop running in such. Oh, here's the perfume counter. Must be something nice here for my sister. Oh, clerk, clerk. Duh, what can I do for you, sir? <laughs> Are you the salesman here? Yes. You're the salesman in the perfume counter? Don't take my word for it. Smell me. I'll take your word for it. Thank you. Now, what kind of perfume would you like to buy? Well, what kind have you got? I've got Taboo, Temptation, Shocking, White Shoulders, Surrender, and you should excuse the expression, My Sin. <laughs> Let's see some other perfumes, please. Okay. <laughs> we have some very nice imported ones. Evening in Paris. Uh-huh. Midnight in Madrid. Uh -huh. And here's a domestic one. Morning in the smog. Are they bottling it now? Why not? We got enough of it. Small bottle of perfume right here. That comes to 580 with the tax. Well, okay, I'll take it. Oh, Jack, Jack. Here I am, Mary. Well, I finished all my shopping. How about you? Did you find anything for your sister? I sure did. I'm getting her a nice bottle of perfume. Well, I'm glad that's over. Now, where do you want this scent? It goes to 185 Pine Street, Chicago, Illinois. 185 Pine... Oop. <laughs> the pencil broke. <laughs> oh, boss! Mary, I can hear Rochester calling me, but I can't see him. Over here, boss! Uh, uh, there he is, Jack, behind that gift wrapping counter. Rochester, what are you doing there? I came down to the store to do some shopping, and they gave me a job. But, Rochester, you're my butler. How can you work for somebody else? Oh, but, boss, I can use the money. They pay $3 an hour. Well, move over. Tonight, <laughs> I Ladies and gentlemen, it was a pleasure tonight to do this special radio program. I want to thank the members of my cast and my special guest, June Allison, for appearing. My entire cast and I would like to join in wishing every one of you a very happy and joyous holiday season. And may the new year see true peace on earth and goodwill toward men.
The world has changed much in the past few years. It is a new world presenting new problems that must be faced courageously and with unswerving faith. It is our pleasure today to bring you a poignant story of courage and faith based on the constant flame by Samuel Carter. And we are fortunate to have one of Europe's most talented young actresses here to help us portray it, Miss Krista Linder. Miss Linder will be heard in the role of Sue, I play Dan Harden. It's a magic word and it's a magic feeling to stand on the deck of an ocean liner headed through the narrows of New York, home after four years of service overseas, and beside you the wife you married in a little German chapel, standing at the railing with you, and her clear eyes searching for the outlines of her new land. A magic feeling, I know, because I'm standing on that deck with Sue. It's Christmas, 1977. <laughs> Almost in. See that glow over there? That's Manhattan. When I left, it was dark as pitch. And now it's glowing with a million lights. A million little beacons of welcome burning just for you. Hello, lights. Hello, New York. I hope you like me. Like you? Twelve million people are there to worship you if they should get the chance. But I'm not going to give them the chance. I'm going to smuggle you to Grand Central with the shades down. Grand Central? Yes, that's the doorway to America. Standing there on a bright day, you look clear across the country to the high Sierras and the Golden Gate and a little village called Pine Valley. A wonderful place to bring up kids. I don't know. Dan, hold me closer. Hey, that's the kind of assignment I like. Put your arms way around me. Hold me tight. I, I've got to tell you. But I don't know how to say it. Hey, this is me, remember? Dan, your husband. Dan, I'm frightened. Of course you're frightened. Everybody since the pilgrims have been frightened. They don't know, aren't quite sure what's just beyond that shore. And once they've found out, they've stopped being frightened. But you understand it. You're American. I'm German. Besides... I'm not frightened for myself. I'm frightened, well, it's bringing a child into this world. I never was frightened back in Munich. You know, darling, it's always hard facing life. I mean, really facing it. But I'll bet every woman since Troy has said, I'm frightened at bringing children into this world. And remember, Troy was raised not once, not twice, but seven times, and still more children. It's an indestructible ideal, let's face it. What will we name him? How do you know it's going to be a him? It's got to be. If I only were sure what the world held for him, I can't help feeling frightened him. I've seen so much. Ah, but that was the old world, darling. This is the new one. Look, see along where my finger's pointing? See that light against the sky? That's liberty. That's home. <laughs>
light at dawn on a brightly painted wharf with welcoming crowds and the din and bustle of New York like the clumsy handshake of a healthy, lovable giant. And then we were at the station, on to Trenton, Philadelphia, Washington, American names and pointing west. The snows of December were light upon the land, the chimneys plumbed with smoke, the windows lighted. Washington and the white domed capital where the flags of the Union and Confederacy hung together. Mount Vernon, Valley Forge. The Lincoln Memorial. It's like a cathedral. A cathedral dedicated to one world religion. The equality and the nobility of man. The train bent west across the Alleghenies. Pittsburgh and the steel mills, built by an immigrant from Scotland. On through the cornfields of Ohio, Indiana to Chicago. You know, they said you never could build a city on the marshlands, but they built it. Pioneers from the old world and the east. They built it. And then when it burned down, they rebuilt it bigger and better. The stockyards, the merchandise mart, Michigan Boulevard and Lakeshore Drive. It, it takes your breath away, doesn't it? More than that, it blows you off your feet some days. That's Canadian wind we're breathing. A goodwill wind that blows across a border where there's never been a gun or a blockhouse. That night we crossed the Great Divide, like a symbol of barriers overcome, and then a thousand miles of mountains to the Donner Pass, where men who had never lost faith starved and froze and kept on coming, over the snow and waste and desert to the pleasant sun-bathed groves of California. Grapes hanging heavy on the vine and cities with the names of saints upon them. Oh, Dan, it's a good land. I know it now. I know it. Yes, good. But land, be better for her sake. And your hometown, Pine Valley, is it like... Like that one? Mm, a, a little better, naturally. Not so big, but with a big heart. Listen, you can almost hear it beating. Dear, we're almost there. Not frightened anymore? Not over the future. Not over coming to America. But still, still. Another few minutes and we were at the station in Pine Valley. It's the heart of America. A mighty, friendly place. And then... Then we were in the taxi, heading for home. You're not disappointed in Pine Valley, are you, darling? No, Dan. It's just exactly as you made me see it back in Germany. I feel as if I knew each corner. And in a minute, if you keep your blue eyes glued to the next corner, you'll see the Harden house. Dan, what if she doesn't like me? Like you? Of course she'll like you. She'll like that silly angle of your eyebrows and that funny nose and... No, seriously, Dan. How many women would like a strange wife coming to their home and having babies? What if your mother doesn't like me? Wait a minute. Just one baby and a very special one. Remember? Yours and mine. But babies can be a nuisance. Listen, darling, and believe me, Mother's been alone a long time. And you're everything she wants and needs. Someone to cherish. Someone to pin her faith on for the future. We're here, dear. This is it. It's, it's not much of a house, 
at least not on the outside, strictly an architectural monstrosity, all gingerbread, but, oh, how I love it. Oh, Dan, it's beautiful. And that light, that light in the window, that's for you. Hold me tight, Dan. Hold me tight, just once again. There. All right now? Yes. All right now. Here, take my hand. I'll always be by your side. I'll never leave you. Yes, Dan. It's Christmas time. We'll always be together. Thank you, Miss Krista Linder. On our Christmas show in 1976, Bing Crosby was one of the guests, and it seems fitting to pay tribute to him on our program this year. Ken Carpenter also joined me along with Bing. The memory of that program will be with me forever. Well, Ken, that just about does it for our Christmas Eve show for this year. Uh, you're right, Frank, but I, I think we've left a couple of things out. What's that, Ken? Well, there's a few Christmas songs that haven't been included. Ken, you know I'm not a singer. <laughs> I'm glad you said that, Frank. Let's leave the singing to Bing. I'm glad you said that. And Frank, I know that Bing is glad we both agree. Well, Bing, it's time to hear from you again. I've been away. Well, not exactly, but it's time for another carol, isn't it? Oh, it's always time for another carol. Here's a carol for the whole family. Everybody now, Norman Luboff, Paul Weston, and you singers out there, it's joy to the world. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. All right, everybody now in the family key, please. Yes, Ken. Well, we're getting along now towards the end of our Christmas sing. The trees are trimmed. The presents are wrapped. I guess Mom and Dad are checking off the last second things that have to be done before the big morning arrives. And so with Santa on his way, silence settling down on the land, I, I don't think there's really much more we can add. So now would you join me now, everybody, in this best-known of all Christmas songs. 
Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas to you all, and good night. This is Frank Brzee again. Wishing you all a Merry Christmas from the American Forces Network and from the many stars that entertain. It's been wonderful to share this Christmas 1980 with you. May the new year bring you all the happiness you deserve and may each one of us be granted the wisdom to help shape a world of peace and progress that most surely lies ahead for all freedom-loving people. Thank you and Merry Christmas. This 12th annual two-hour Golden Days of Christmas has come to you from Las Vegas. This is Bill Baldwin speaking for the American Forces Radio and Television Service. Yeah.